Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret's just-arrived collection of swim and other sun-ready silhouettes. Pack your bags with new styles from the Very Sexy Collection, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy push-up bra, in on-trend hues like green and citron and black shine. Rewind to the future with the VS Archives Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. Plus, mix and match with their wide range of bikini tops and bottoms to find your dream suit. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Welcome to Katie's Crib, a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Katie's Crib. This week, I'm re-releasing one of my early interviews back from 2018. We'll have a brand new episode up for you next week. Enjoy the conversation. Bye-bye. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Katie's Crib. In this episode, I'm talking to my dear, dear friend and birthday twin, Dan Bukatinsky. Do you guys remember him? He played James Novak on just this, you know, this little show called Scandal. And in addition to being an actor, Dan is a producer, a writer, and an author of the book called Does This Baby Make Me Look Straight? After Dan, I talked to the adoption attorney, David Baum. David has been practicing adoption law for over 35 years and is an adoptive parent himself. He breaks down everything we need to know about the adoption process. So let's get started. Sitting with me on my couch right now is literally one of my favorite fucking people on the planet by far. We are birthday twins. We are birthday twins. We met at Scandal, and it was like we had known each other since the beginning of time. Mm -hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, Dan Bukatinsky. Hi! (laughs) And we've never, ever, ever acted together on screen. Never. In all those years. We, we have never, to do we that. Never got, Wait, is that true? Not one scene. Not one scene where we're in together. Even, even when you came back for the 100th? Even in a flashback. Even in a alternative reality. Well, that's because Quinn just didn't exist. Quinn she didn't exist in the, in the world that I... I was in a bedroom the entire time. Naked. Naked in the bedroom. Fighting with Jeff Perry. For the most part, I was fighting with, with Jeff Perry. With a mic, like, no, maybe up your butt. I had a couple... <laughs> true. 
Don't even get me started on that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, for the most part. I, now, I, I worked with Tony and, and Bellamy and, and Josh and Carrie. Oh, yeah, you had the but whole But never Josh? Darby, never oh, Guillermo. Oh, Foley shot you. And Scott Foley, Foley shot me. So I worked with everybody but you, Darby, and Guillermo, actually. Yeah, nobody on the OPS. Nobody side. on the Yeah. Well, your work on Scandal is literally, like, the you and Jeff Perry scene is literally, like, probably one of my top three Scandal scenes of all time. Thank you for saying that. Your acting is incredible. And, um, Are they referring to my body? <laughs> that too, Dan Nash. Buga. Okay. That too. Okay. Dan Bugatinsky is a father of two adopted children. Correct. And also wrote a genius book about the experience called Correct. Does This Baby Make Me Look Straight? Yes. Which is a freaking amazing title. So, um, I don't know. Also available in audiobook. <laughs> Yes, it's hilarious. Do you do the audiobook? Yes, I do. Oh, wow. I actually need to download that. Okay, um, I'll send it to you. How did you and Don, your incredible husband, who I'm also oh, such a fan of, how did you guys come to the decision to adopt kids? Well, you know, we, we decided to become parents first. Mm -hmm. And when we did, obviously for two guys, that you have so few options. It's right. either surrogacy or adoption. Mm -hmm. um, and... You know, Don had a really strong feeling about not wanting to, not wanting to go the route of surrogacy for a bunch of different reasons. Okay. I didn't have as strong a feeling about wanting that or not wanting that. Okay. Um, but he he had this feeling about not wanting there to be some kind of even if it, as it turns out, you know, these things really fade away. Mm -hmm. But the feeling at the time had to do with one person being biologically tied to that child and one of them not and right. how that would be different. And now, of course, both of us have no DNA in common with our children and cannot imagine loving them more than we do without smothering them to death. Right, but at which the I'm moment when everything's hypothetical. But at the moment it's hypothetical, you yeah. think like, how is this going to work? And will I feel uncomfortable? Like and, you're the sperm and I'm not the sperm. And, and when blah, I look blah, in blah, the eye, and I think it had a lot to do with like... What if looks just like you were she Exactly. Like, yeah. I think it was this fantasy of like, when I look in the eyes of my children and I see you, you in there, where will I be? Will I disappear? Mm -hmm. So there's, and that's a very completely normal and yep. completely understandable feeling. There was this other aspect of it, which was we were unbelievably aware he has a niece and a nephew who are adopted and it, there was a huge awareness of the number of children currently and babies currently born every day and who are currently in the foster system <sighs> and it was a desire to try to m make a home for what is already what, what's already on our planet right. as opposed to creating new life Love um, given the the state of the planet that we're in um so you said you already knew adoptive. You, so Don's sibling Don's, was also an adoptive parent. So yes. that was probably and we helpful to yes. have as like an inspiration it, or what? It was certainly in that, in the knowledge of that, it was, it was around us. Did you use a public or private agency, independent, open or closed? Like tell me the specifics of your yes, adoption. And there are a lot of different ways of doing it. And the bottom line is look, adoption's a wonderful thing, but you have to do a version of it that works for your family. You cannot judge yourself based, I think, based on the choices that you want to make. Right. You have to do make choices that will work for you as a as a family. And um, we worked with a private lawyer okay. um, in Los Angeles who we had been referred to by many people who had used him and we used a public you know nonprofit 
social services agency called called Vista Del Mar, which I'm a huge I'm on the board of now, okay. but I wasn't at the time. And in conjunction, the two things in conjunction with each other was like a perfect mix. Mix because the resources we got from the family services agency, which was a social worker to talk to us, mm-hmm. a parenting class that we joined, which is a hilarious story, and. Um, like you and Don in a parenting it, class, it I was don't even so understand what's happening. So funny because right now. all right, well, and that alongside with someone who you're paying to basically do the outreach to try to match you with a birth mom, those two things in concert with each other, Works and a California birth, which is a state that allows two men to adopt jointly at the same time because in other states one parent has to adopt, and then a year later the other one can legally be put on. But we. For many reasons, we wanted the adoption and we wanted the birth to happen in Los Angeles. And this was a lawyer that was going to facilitate that. But Vista Del Mar was an amazing organization that allowed not only social services and a social worker to talk to us, but gave that birth mom a resource that she normally would never have. Mm. And I can't talk more highly about the experience of adopting when you're doing open adoption, Mm -hmm. where you're going to meet a birth mom before the baby's born. Right. So just explain quickly, like okay. open adoption open is adoption, like you're involved with the mom, chosen. you know the mom, you are chosen. You're chosen you by can her. Just, and then afterwards, it can even stay open as far as communication. It's completely, up. it is a decision you all make together as, as a team. Right. And open adoption is one, and it's called open because you know who the birth mother is. She knows who you are. You have an open line of communication. And the decision to place that child with you is a is decision made by her. Mm. Whereas many people have this idea of adoption of walking into an, an orphanage and pointing to the baby that you want and being and carrying it away, which is a very not how it it's not how it happens. And so a closed adoption would be the um, files are closed. The files are closed. And by you're, the way, like you're told your baby is born, or, and it's all through like or, legal. Or birth mother does not really want any more ties for emotional reasons. She's like, I'm going to place this child. I don't want, want them to know. to know. I want. I don't want them to contact me. This is a decision I want to make. I know they're going to be in better hands, but I don't want to be contacted. And that's just a personal, emotional decision. And so a closed adoption is one where you are given access to a new baby and that information is sealed. So take me through the process of your adoption. Like, um, uh, how long was it? What was the process? Like, you, I'm sure you had to fill out the most paperwork ever. Like, we had to fill out. I mean, here's the most ironic thing on the planet, which is when you're not, when you have a child biologically, mm-hmm. you don't need to be fingerprinted. No. You don't need a background check. Nope. No one does a home study. Nope. You could literally be living in a Hobbit. nest with a giant ostrich. Yes. And <laughs> no access to child proofing at all anywhere and no outlets to even put child proofing on okay. in your giant nest and with your ostrich. And you're allowed to do so. And you're allowed to do so because you when just... When you adopt a child, you that adopt is not the child, case. You are literally three visits from social workers, absolute checking to make sure, and then background checks, fingerprinting, Do they know all about it. your finances and like... They know all... Yes, but that's... They don't really base adoption on that as much as... Well, your ability to care for the child for sure. But they they really screen you. You really and you start to think about it, and you think, well, I think every parent. And did they, you pick like, is it like boy or girl or no? But but you do make decisions. You make decisions where you're like, all right, we're both white men. It's going to be enough. This is the way we thought. Yes, it will be a challenge enough for this child to grow up without a mom and with two dads. 
that on top of that, for them to not look like either one of us mm -hmm. and to feel like an outsider, even in how they look or feel or what their yeah. culture that they grew up in or whatever their ethnic ties are, right. wasn't something that we were comfortable with. Okay. And we felt like to stack the deck in their favor, we would make the only obstacle for them is to live with the idea that they are coming from a same-sex couple, same couple. Now, I have family from Argentina, and I speak Spanish, and so I was really open to you know, raising a Latin American yeah. kid. We tried everything to be able to adopt a Latin American kid, and they, it was, it's very closed. Wow. For religious reason, reasons, the gay community is not open. It's wow. very rare for a, a Latin American to be placed so with far two... birth mother yeah. to choose two guys. What's the most common is sort of what happened to us, right. which is a single mom. Can you t take me through that process? What happened? Yeah, basically, the, you know, when you talk to a lawyer, what most of the resources that you give to a lawyer, in addition to his fee, is he spends money for outreach to allow people in this country to know if they are pregnant and do not want to carry the baby, but they don't want to choose termination, mm -hmm. that there's an, another way. Mm -hmm. And so he you know, advertises in yellow pages and online. What? That happened? Oh, yeah, yeah. They I make, had no idea. This is an attorney that makes it very, very easy for someone to try to, to be able to make that choice. And what he does is he takes all the people on his list, all the prospective parents, straight, gay, single, married, all, all the types, and he will give each birth mother three choices. Mm. And what we have to present it is a birth mother letter. Just one letter is what you're it's giving, not, not a, a packet. It's a, it's a brochure. Okay, so a whole packet to the now, life that way, you and Don will give your just child. Just so you know, this was 15 years ago. So know that now most of the stuff is digital. Although there are there are people who still to this day feel like you you know you make no better impression than if than real photographs. Mm. That to just some you know digital is so easy and right. so quick and right. so that in a way anything to give yourself the edge. Anything like, to give yourself the edge to FedEx them an envelope with a letter. That makes reference to what your phone call with them was about. Believe me, you get you get trained in all of this. You get told. How that, long did this whole process take you guys? From like the conversations to having adopting a child to when she? I mean, when she was. In we had one false alarm, which is all detailed in my book. Not to make people go out and get it, but but there's a very detailed story about the first birth mother we were involved with and what and how that went down a path that didn't feel comfortable for us, so we ended it. And then on our birthday, September yeah. 22nd, the year before 22nd. my daughter was born, so 2004, mm -hmm. we got a phone call from a birth mom, and it was set up by the lawyer. He's like, she's going to call you at this time. And she did, and we were both on different extensions, and we had a long conversation. And then from that September, by March, she was already three months pregnant. Right. By, the, by March, we were in the delivery room with her. So she picked us pretty quickly, and she told us that she chose us because she was a fan of the show Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. Hey! So to this day, counts. every time I run into David Collins, who created that show, I'm like, he goes, I know, I know, you have me to thank for your family, because I say it to him every time. But I always get teary when I see him. Wow. What was in your brochure? Like we have... Ours was, um, let's see, it was like six pages, mm -hmm. and we showed lots of photographs, us with our dogs, us... Uh, traveling, us at home. We described what each of us liked to do. We exaggerated. Don may have lied about how much she exercises or goes outside. Maybe just a <laughs> tiny bit. I may have oversold how much tennis I play. 
Um, Fine. But for These the most all part, little... all sm- small things. Yeah. And neither one of us are very religious, but both of us consider ourselves fairly spiritual people. So we mentioned that because mm-hmm. we certainly didn't want to close ourselves off to someone who was looking for a religious family, except that we were clearly not a very religious family. So right. if that's what you're looking for, that's it wasn't going to be us. So we, we tried to give a full picture of who we were as a couple and what kind of home we were hoping to create for a, a family. And, um, and the other thing we did, which was something that had been told to us, which is really important, is you take copious notes when you're on the phone with the birth mom and you ask them as many questions as possible about them and their interests. Oh. One of the things you don't want to do is make someone feel like you hold the key to Did. our future as parents. So just tell me what you've been eating. Tell me how much you smoke. Tell me if you drank. Tell me, like, if they feel like they're on, on trial, it's not a they're great not way to start you. that relationship. Right. Right. And again, and the truth is, that baby isn't yours until it's in your arms and a waiver's been signed. Right. So the, the tense part so about So you it, can't tell her or judge her however no. her pregnancy You can have as many thoughts going. as you want sure. during the process. Our birth mom smoked a pack a day the whole time, and she kept promising me that she would quit the minute the baby was born. And she didn't seem to understand that I didn't want her to quit for her sake. I wanted her to quit for my baby's sake. Is it an intensive screening process? Of them? Of the, when you're filling out all the paperwork that you are one of these, a uh, couple that is going to be shouted from the rooftop. No, as available. I said before, you have to do a bunch of, uh, you have to do The three visits to your house, what three else? Three visits to your house, uh, fingerprinting and a Wait, background really? check. Wait, really? Fingerprinting? Oh yeah, I wasn't kidding. A background check. You can't sign up and have a, you know, I mean, maybe you can get a lawyer to help you find a baby, but you're not. It just makes sense. You don't want someone to be like. And also just also to dispel another myth is that these, this is not baby buying. That's illegal in this entire country. You never pay a fee to a birth mom to give you a baby. You pay her medical expenses and they, and and what usually happens is you put money in escrow with the attorney and the birth mom has to submit her bills to the attorney and they get paid out of that escrow account. Got it. But they have to be pregnancy related. And why that is, is very, very smart. Because if at any point in the future, she could prove to a judge that there had been money exchanged just for the exchange of the baby, she could claim that she was coerced. Mm. So everything has to be documented. Brilliant. And it's it really is this unbelievably touching moment when you're chosen by someone else to be entrusted to become the parent of, of their of their baby. unborn baby. Yeah. And it's a decision that they don't really actually sign off on until after the baby's been born. So you're really very tense until until that's finished. Because you hear these stories about moms saying not signing or like you they hear give stories birth and, it and happens, they don't. And, and they change their minds. they say, I changed my mind. Correct. Not baby. It is one of the, listen. So how did you prepare to welcome Eliza, like emotionally, psychologically, how did you, I mean, it sounds like you were like cautiously optimistic because you were, I I will say in the similar ways that any conventional couple that, that where the mom is expecting a baby is, you know, you know, your first, you know, your first three months where you don't want to tell anybody because you're like, what if something happens? So you don't tell anybody. Well, in many ways we, we have that for nine months. Although we found out at three months. So we had that for six months. There, there were so many ways where we were like, why are we going to paint an entire room and get ourselves this ready and make the birth mom feel like she really, the only reason we value her or care about her is because of this thing she's going to give us. We downplay it because as I said in my book and I say all the time, this is one of those rare transactions 
where the happiest day of your life quite possibly could be the saddest day in a, in a woman's life. And you can't not look at that. You can't mm. not be sensitive to that. Mm. It's like this very strange passing over of caring for this woman, this young, she was, and our, our birth mom was 19 at the time. So you were, we have a very paternal relationship towards her. Wow. And you're caring for her and wanting her to emotionally trust you. Can you take me through when you got the call that like she was in labor and... As I said before, one of the reasons we wanted to have this baby in California is because is California is a state where the fact that the baby's born in a hospital in LA allowed both of us to be in the delivery room and allowed us both to be on the birth certificate when it when it and when which was an amazing thing for us. Oh, so you beautiful. were there when she came out? Yes. As was my friend Mary. How did you feel? It it was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. I mean, to be in that room and to have that baby. And I, I was petrified, by the way. Yeah, I, like, were you scared you, you like, were going to, like, uh, faint at the sight? Up to a day before, I was like, this is... This. <laughs> what about Don? Don is so not that guy. Oh, no, guy. he didn't look. He didn't uh, yeah, look. Yeah, I'm going to say, did he First stay up all, top? First of all, it's a C-section. Oh, it was so a C-section. He did not Even, look. That's so... And there's a mirror in the ceiling. Oh, so God. you look up. Oh, my God. You cannot look up. So he just kept his eyes down. I cut the umbilical cord or he would have passed out. And, <laughs> um, and as soon as she was... Uh, I think was it an appointment? Like she had a scheduled yeah, C-section. Okay. Yes, except that with on my first with Eliza, what happens is in the last three weeks of the pregnancy, the birth mom comes to Los Angeles. At least this is the way we did it. Okay. And she stays in L.A. We put her up somewhere. Okay. And she was here with her two twins, who are a year and a half old. And we were very much involved in taking care of her and her one and a half year old twins in preparation for, for when her she gave birth. W- right. So every visit to the OBGYN we did together. Um, every cigarette break in between those OBGYN uh, segments, we, we were out together. there with her. We did together. Nothing like being on the streets of Beverly Hills with a nine month pregnant woman. 19 year old. Chugging, uh, just cigarette. ripping smokes. And the looks on the on the on the faces of the people walking by were oh fascinating, oh and she God. loved every minute of it. Um, but what happened was we were going to the Grove. I was spending the morning with the twins and her, and we went to the Grove and we had a smoothie. And she, after the smoothie, she absolutely swore to me she was going into labor. She was like having unbelievable. Contractions. Contractions, or so she thought. And so it was like, oh my God, code red. And I threw her in the car and I was like driving to the hospital Uh and um, it's happening, it's happening. And we were looking for someone to watch her twins while we were going to the hospital. Like we were not prepared because the plan was a scheduled C for a week later from that. Her mother had a ticket to come to Los Angeles to meet us so that she would have her mom and also help with her Uh because it's emotional and she would fly and and she would stay for a week and then fly back to Wisconsin with her. And all that was in planned. We did not plan for one week early. And so there we were in the hospital and we called our OBGYN and he was like, we have to wait for that smoothie to pass through her. So we can't do this until tonight. But you know, and and I don't. Was she in labor? No. But we out, out came Eliza a week early. Wow. And, wow. Um, and we were not prepared for that. And I was in the middle of shooting a pilot. And so I had to take a couple of days and off. And like but, you had said, was the nursery. So like you guys weren't really prepared at home because no. you were being cautiously optimistic. Yes. Because, and so we, the nursery wasn't painted. There wasn't nope. like cribs and toys. But when and, she showed up for the last month, she was like, are you guys insane? Do you guys not understand what you need to do? You have a baby coming. Where's the crib? Yeah. How come you haven't painted the baby's room? And we realized that it would help her to know that, that you we had prepared. done some preparation. So very quickly with her, 
we kind of got that baby's room ready enough. Right. But we were doing it to protect ourselves from Mm -hmm. potential. Mm -hmm. Like, we just didn't want to go too far. And everybody understands that. Was Eliza the first child she gave up for adoption, or was there a sibling? Placed for adoption. Oh. We don't right. say gave up anymore. Thank you. Very true. That's a, that's something that not that yeah, many people know. Very, but, no, but, but, but it's those, not a very. It's negative. It's a negative. It, it's been said for decades. Yeah, Listen, yeah. Everyone says that, but really, make an, make an adoption plan yeah. is what people prefer. People say, sure. but placed, made an adoption choice. So those are all the, the PC ways of saying it. Yeah, that's and it feels way better. Awkward, You're really right. But the gave up thing. Put stigma on the birth mom. And again, I said it for years and years. And also and years. the kid. Like, my mom gave me up for adoption. Yeah, right. it's just like not. It's not said anymore. No. So it's a good thing to know even that people are using that terminology now. Did you ever feel at the beginning like, oh shit, what did we do? Yes. I felt that way. So the that's whole, similar to, oh, to when I birthed absolutely. a baby. Like, and I was I like, tell oh you. my God. And I was like, what have we done? Was this Don in shock? Because I feel like, I mean, and this is a no disrespect to Don, I just feel like you're sort of more maternal than he is. <laughs> is that okay? I'm definitely like, mommy. Like, you're more maternal. You're the crier. You're like the, you're very, oh, yeah. like, my emotionally milk, available. Your milk comes milk in. Don in. is a little bit more, like. His Diet Coke shows up, but my milk comes in, for sure. In fact, I think just talking about it, I feel like a little bit. But, um, no, I'm definitely more maternal. I was definitely more panicked up until... Like, I think we've made a big mistake. Like, this is not going to... We can't do this. We absolutely can't do this. And then the minute Elijah was put in my arms, I was like, oh, my God. You just it was fell. You fell so hard. And, and lucky for me, but sadly for him, Don was very much in taking care of birth mom mode for the next 48 hours mm. after the baby was born. Very aware mm. that he did not want her to feel like, okay, thanks, bye. When she signs that waiver... Are you there the for that? Are, uh, the release, like that, that makes the whole thing final. Like, are I don't you remember there for the that? moment of the actual signing. The one thing that we talked to a social worker about with her, which was really smart, was something that not everyone does, mm-hmm. but it's called an entrustment ceremony. And oh, I you love have to, that. you have to just be the kind of person that you have to ask the birth mom if that's something that they would like and it has to be something that you would like. If it's an open adoption. And we talked to her about what would you like to do in an entrustment ceremony and she talked about candles and she talked about handing the baby to... Oh, Danny, I love you. (laughs) Sorry. I haven't thought about this. You're making me cry. I haven't thought about this in so long. Oh my God. Okay, who knew? (laughs) I... She held, it's so she, amazing. She held Eliza in the hospital. We were still in the hospital. And I think my a few other people were there, and mm-hmm. we stood there. You guys, Dan is crying. We're having an emotional moment. My kid is just screaming in the other room, as you I can know. hear him. And, and Adam, my milk's Adam, coming Adam. in. Obviously, it's just so <laughs> much information. Adam's on Aldi duty right now, as we're having a very emotional um, experience here. I, I had not thought about this in so long. And I, that made me I didn't be, even know an entrustment ceremony. And that she is put like... it together. And she, in her own way, she wanted each of us to hold a candle, and then each of us to hold Eliza. And it was a moment where she was saying, oh, I want, this I'm, is I my moment. You. To hand the baby over to you guys. And we did that in the hospital. And then Eliza pooped. And <laughs> I will never forget it. We all she joke about it now. Eliza she was like, oh, she I was finally like, can I love this. let loose. Yeah. Um, I don't remember doing one for Jonah because the circumstances were different. Explain it w- this is your second. This is so Eliza's biological brother. Correct. So two years later, 
our birth mom got pregnant again, and we had already told our adoption lawyer that we wanted to maybe have a second. And we talked about that a lot, that both Don and I had siblings, mm -hmm. both of us had sisters mm -hmm. and that were very close to us. And we felt that whether or not, even though we felt very complete as a threesome mm -hmm. with our baby, mm -hmm. we felt like for the good of our kid, they will really benefit from having a sibling. Sure. And, oh my God, is that not true of my two kids? My, oh, I God, just can't I imagine them not... I cannot imagine them without each other. Like it's now, it's unfathomable. Does to Jonah me. have the same mom and dad? Yes, as, Eliza? Okay. as it turns out. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, take I'm me say, through as this. As it turns out. So you get a call from your adoption agent. We no, called lawyer, the lawyer, me. and we we're like, we want, we want to be put on the list. And he said, just so you know, it's a tough market. <laughs> It was sort of like what my talent agent was telling me at the same time. Why? It's going to be tough to get a job right now. Is it? You mean it's tougher to get another... Wait. If you've adopted one child, does that better or lessen your chances of getting another one? We, you're lower on the list. A lot of oh, birth moms okay. like to feel like... There's two things that we learned oh, about birth moms. One thing to learn about birth moms is that many times... Gay, gay male couples are second in demand after straight couples, many times because a single birth mom likes to feel forever like she was the only mother. Mm. It is harder for some, not all, but for some birth moms to want to see another woman in the mix. But that's not for all. Sure. Still the number one is like a conventional straight couple. But second is a gay couple because it's a very common phenomenon and it mm -hmm. certainly was true with us. So then she... But some adoptive parents would be like, no, I want my kid to feel special and the only one and not compete. And, and many birth moms want to be the one to give the first child to a family that hasn't had a baby. Right. So to... To, so he tells you your chances your are chances this limited. It's going to take longer. Okay. But around that time, we were on the list, and it, we were getting zero calls, like okay. not even prospective. How old was Eliza at this point? Two. Okay. And we, Eliza had a heart issue that had to be fixed, so we had a reparation to a heart surgery. I mean, she had a heart surgery earlier in that year. It was a tough... 2006-07 was an incredibly difficult year. Again, I talk a lot in detail about that in Thank my God book. Thank God Eliza is fine. Thank God she's fine. It was tough to go through. My father was terminally ill at the same time, and we knew that we were having another child. Like, it was a very intense time. Jesus, yeah, and that's how we got through it, now that I think about it. But um, right around that time, we had heard that our birth mom was pregnant. And both Don and I looked at each other and were like, it, it's only a matter of weeks before we get a call, we thought. And Did she tell you she's pregnant? She did. And as How involved and she was she was with Eliza the time. in the she two was years? Those, like once the entrustment um, yes. beautiful ceremony this, happened. We, and skipped then, like, this, we skipped this. Let's go back to yeah, that. Like, we did the entrustment ceremony. Was she ceremony. involved a lot in the first two years We of did another life? thing, which is the reason why we worked with an agency like, like Vista Del Mar Family Services, is one of the things they help you with is what's called a, uh, it's called a something agreement. Oh, I can't remember. Uh, let's let's say it's called a visitation agreement. It's not really called that. It's okay. it's contact agreement, and it has to do with what you're agreeing to. It's not legally binding, but it is an agreement made amongst the three of you as to what your first choice would be as to how much contact you're going to have with that child after the baby's born. And the birth do you make this agreement before the baby is born? Yes. Okay. And the birth mom goes in in private and makes 
a draft of what she wants, okay. and then we separately make a draft of what we want, and we see how close they are afterwards. Mm-hmm. We don't want to do it in front. They never right. want them done in front of each no. other because you don't want to impact each other. Yeah. And you compromise. Sure. And we came up with an, uh, an agreement that had to do with a once-a-year visit until Eliza was three, and then after that, not until the child was old enough to ask for another one. So it could have been until 10. Okay. So once a year, she, we flew her to Los Angeles and we spent time together. And again, there wasn't a lot of bonding. With, there was never really, I, it was hard because mm-hmm. there was always a concern. Mm-hmm. Just not that, that, not that anything would happen. There was no legal risk. Right. But it just was a very stressful time. Well, it's emotional and it's... It's, it's emotional it's, and stressful yeah. and it's, you're reminded of all of it. And, and, and it's a wonderful thing and it's also kind of a sad hard. thing. So yeah. it was very hard. And we had three of those visits. Ironically, by the third visit, <laughs> there was a second pregnancy happening and we were going to adopt the brother. So, but she was married to someone at the time, and so that man had to also sign away his rights as the presumed father. There is something called an alleged father, and there's something called the presumed father. The presumed father is anyone married to the birth mother. Alleged father is anyone else who could potentially be the father. And in a legal adoption, you need to get a signed release from the presumed Presumed father father and any alleged fathers. So as it turns out, so the presumed father was this guy, was her husband, and he was there with us, and they made the choice together. And it was a little bit more complicated because there was more people involved. We presumed right through the time that they left Los Angeles that her husband was the father. But deep in our souls, we did not feel Because that was not Eliza's dad. That was... It okay. was so did else. you do like a paternity test? So when they had left, I DNA tested the kids and found out that they were full siblings. Oh, whoa. So when you, when Jonah was born, you didn't 100% know right. that he and Eliza had the same father. It was a feeling we had, but, but it wasn't, we did not 100% know. Now, take me through how you have discussed adoption with Eliza and Jonah. I love this, like now that they're old enough to really, they understand, I mean, they're 13 and 10, and how, did, was it the same agreement that she came out once a year for the first three years of no, Jonah's we, life? Uh, we went to, we did two years. So that way Eliza would be five and Jonah would be three. Okay. So we went we went two more years in that, in that contact agreement. And, um, and then after that, we didn't, we there were no visits after Unless that. Unless the kids ask for them, is when you are going to entertain the idea. Correct. And Has the kids either didn't. of them asked? No. At ten, Eliza's now thirteen. At ten, Eliza did ask about when she was ever going to see her birth mom again. And we were always taught. We always, always, always told the story. I'm just remembering this now. We always, even before she could speak, we would tell the story of how, um, of how she came to be. And did you would, and Don like agree what that was or yes. did you come up with it kind of then and there and it felt right or we told the story and I, I'm, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say now that I can't remember the way we told it we told like a little fairy tale mm-hmm. that there were two guys who you know there was two 
Poppy and Daddy love, and we really, really love Don, each other. Dan is Daddy, Daddy and, and Don, Don is Poppy. Poppy. I know this because I hang out at your house. Right, and that is that's true. The, that's Poppy true. Poppy and Daddy. Poppy and Daddy, <laughs> and we love each other very, 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 very much. But there's only one thing in the world that we didn't have that we wanted more than anything in the world, and that was a little baby girl. And then we met someone, and we taught. We told the story of how she loved her baby so much but but and wanted to find the perfect perfect she knew that this baby was meant for these two guys right. and she chose them and right. we and it really is true it's a decision made by three people it's right. not one made by one or by two you know and we would tell the story of how she came to be and we told that over and over and over and over and over again and we were very open about the adoption but didn't really say it that much we didn't say the word adoption for a really long time and i wrote a i wrote a, I, I don't remember when it was but the, i wrote a piece about the A word. I think it's called the A word, and it's because it just Post. felt uncomfortable to you. It was or you weird. Just, like you we just never, had a weird reaction to it. I had I had this weird feeling about not wanting to say the word, mm. and it was so important to say the word. There was mm. nothing wrong with that word. Yeah. It's old baggage that that those of us. There's old jokes that no, people used to word, say. No, the word like gave up for adoption. Like it does sound like negative in the way we are like. I know. In the old school way of thinking about adoption. Or which is like, like in the ways kids used to tease each other on the schoolyard. Can I have some that, of this? Of course. Um, we'd be like, yeah, tell me he's adopted. Like that would be a way of teasing somebody. Totally. Well, you know, that's not the way people tease each other anymore, nor would it fly because how great. Yeah. <laughs> You're adopted. Right. Like we're in a different world now, certainly right. where my kids are. Right. Um, Thankfully, so, fortunately. So embracing the word and starting to use it more in the house. Oh, I remember what happened. What? We were walking by a pet adoption day at a park. Oh. And we're like, How? that word means something. And we have to talk about what that word means. If our family is going to adopt a Bait a dog or a puppy. We need to talk about what that word means and bring something into your family. And how is it different? Your adoption with a child and with adoption of a pet. And yeah. we had to start using the word, and, and we and we did. Um, but it really wasn't until Eliza turned ten that she asked very casually if she when she was going to see her birth mom again. And at that point, I said to Don, I go, I think we need to plan a trip to Wisconsin. And we, two and a half years ago, we flew to Wisconsin, and it was the first time we even really had the kids learn from the mouths of their full siblings because the existing twins are also full They're siblings. Full right? And they called, we never used to refer to those two kids and we refer to them by name all the time with our kids, but we never refer to them as a brother or sister mm. because to us, your brother is your brother, right. the one that lives in that our house. Right. We didn't want to use the same term. Mm -hmm. So, but the minute we arrived in Wisconsin, there was a bonding of these four kids that you really you cannot deny. You cannot deny. It, it was, was there. instantaneous and it was lovely. And I remember driving through this corn Did you field. feel scared like when they were going to see her again? Did did Eliza or Jonah feel like were they excited? Were they nervous? I mean, to get on a plane and like we're going to meet our birth mom, was it like a thing? You know, I don't they didn't talk about it. They were excited to 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 go visit. Mm -hmm. And when they got there, they were all about their siblings. Mm -hmm. And now they still talk about them more than they do about the birth mom, but they were excited to see her. They were excited to connect again. Um, and now we do, every two years now we just go we we just take a, a family trip every two years you go we've, something we've like done that. it twice we've That's done it twice a lot. but every other year now lately and so we did it last year and then we would probably go again next year um, 
to do a, a, a quick 36-hour trip to That's Wisconsin. amazing. And see the whole family. Are there any resources that you recommend for people that are interested? I mean, besides Does This Baby Make Me Look Straight, which is an incredible book by Dan Bukatinsky. Thanks so much. <laughs> um, it sounds like this Vista... Vista Del Mar in Los was Angeles. ...was wonderful. And looking for other foster, foster-adopt, and um, adoption now... There are a lot of adoption websites online, and I do, I do look forward to I do recommend people uh, check, checking them out just for even even just for information. And in a more emotional, mental way, is there any advice you would give to someone who's considering adoption? Good luck. <laughs> well, certainly good luck, but but certainly. I, the biggest piece of advice I would give anybody, and I and I always talk about this, and I wrote a lot about this too. I think people do not choose adoption often because of this of this disconnect they feel that it's not going to feel like mine. Mm. They won't feel like there there is a a desire to have your baby genetically yours yes. because it will feel different. And I absolutely felt that way. I absolutely felt like that would be the case mm -hmm. until my baby, until my daughter was in my arms. And I can't quite imagine feeling more tied to my child. So I do encourage people to certainly talk about that feeling with anybody. Yeah, don't pretend like don't you don't pretend have it. Don't pretend you don't have it. And don't be afraid to say anything that is what you're feeling or fearing because those are real feelings and you can't deny them. If you do only want a daughter, like we were hoping we'd have a daughter first and we were lucky that we had a daughter first or we were hoping that, you know, whatever your feelings are, they you're creating a family that's forever. So you have to be honest with yourself. I was very concerned about like what it would feel like I was yeah, like, well, I feel like she's mine. Yeah. Well, I feel like How I'm will the her baby dad? not smell like me? Well, she, I mean, I've actually heard that before. Yeah. I was like, you, you realize that your kids smell like you because of the home that they live yeah, in. Yeah, and the clothes there and the detergent and stuff and the, what they eat, which is what you, yeah, exactly. of course. But like it was this, but it's really more code, I think, for people feeling like, oh, well, I feel like I'm holding someone else's baby. Absolutely not. Right. Um, and is in, there something you wish you would have known before you made the decision? Um... Oh gosh, there are so like many. Like everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a lot about the experience that you can't quite prepare for. Part of it is if you're doing an open adoption, is in fact the. Isn't that all of parenthood though? Yes, I mean here's the thing. Parenthood is just basically over preparing for something you cannot prepare for. That's exactly right. Have you said that before? I don't think so. That is exactly right. You are over preparing for something you cannot possibly prepare for. Can you prepare in the sense like you read a lot of parenting? You're books? You're researching. You're of assessing course. your feelings. You're trying and to talk about it. You're talking to friends also, about it. You're reading books, and then has... guess what? It never goes the way you think no. and it's always different and better and more challenging and all at the same time. every parent will have advice for you and I will tell you this and this is absolutely true. Every parent will, will claim that their way is the right way because they're invested in their way because it's the way they're raising their kids and nobody wants to say to you, I am raising my kids wrong. So in, in a way of affirming their own choices as parents, it's important to them that you do what they, they do. do. <laughs> and what you have to realize is your way is your way yeah. and you have to do a way that works for you and read lots of different books and you pick and choose what works from this book also, or that something book. might work one day and then it doesn't work the other day or you it's watch totally another 
fucking it, insane. It's fucking crazy because you watch someone else and you're like, that's the kind of parent I want to be. And then you Ugh. see them actually have a nervous breakdown in front of you and you're like, well, that oh. clearly doesn't necessarily work for everybody. You have to do what works. But the biggest thing I wish I had done is talk about what kind of parents <laughs> each of us want to be with each other before we became parents. I will never... The only thing I can tell you that I wish I had done more is talked with my spouse about mm. what what our philosophies are. Mm. Because we only learned after we had our kids how absolutely different we I are. Think most. And a lot of people could relate way. to that. And yes. I think that finding that place of compromise of how you want to approach the whole thing is a good thing to do before the babies come out. Because I'm still doing it. My kids are 13 and 11. Hey, hey. you got time. They're still <laughs> under your much. roof till what? At least 18. And in this day and age, probably know, longer. But it's tough, my friends. It's <laughs> um, tough. But it was very, it's very rewarding. And it's, it's the hardest, most rewarding thing you'll ever do in your life is what I'm feeling. And I'm only one fucking year in. That's right. <laughs> Dan Bukatinsky. Yes. You are Katie a gem Lowe's. of a human. You are. You are an incredible daddy. Well, you, I have seen you. Tell them that. And Don is an incredible poppy. Well, no, they're not supposed to realize it right now. They're just supposed to hate you. You're doing the right thing. My kids wake up and they're like, you're the reason my life is miserable. I hear that all the time. You did it. They're preteens. This is so wonderful. Thank you for coming on Katie's Crib. And I just, I have learned so much. Wow. Actually, in talk, like I have, and I read your book, and I just, which is hilarious and brilliant and beautiful, but I've learned a ton. And thank you for thank sharing you. your time on thank Katie's you. crib. Thank you for having me. Bye. I love you. I love you. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with just arrived swim, cover ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made to be seen, very sexy push up bra from the Very Sexy Collection in on trend hues like black shine, green, and citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. 
There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. That's LifeLock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Um, this is so exciting, you guys. We are here with David Baum, who's from the law offices of David H. Baum. Well done, sir. Uh, he's had over 35 years of experience as an adoption attorney. Um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, and how did you find your way into adoption law? Well, I've been practicing in the field of adoption for just shy of 40 years. Oh, it's, oh. I started in, uh, in an office doing all sorts of different law, real estate law, personal injury law, and the office had clients who came to the attorney I was working with and said, can you help us with the step-parent adoption? Can you help us do this adult adoption? And he didn't want to do them, but he had a young associate in me, and I was a go-getter and anxious to do anything I yeah, could. Yeah, you were. So I, I took it on. Uh, in, in 1989, we adopted our child, and I had been uh, looking at finding a practice that was a little more fulfilling because at the end of the day in the civil practice which i had been involved in you you did your job you got paid but there wasn't a huge amount of personal satisfaction and building families really seemed to fill the bill mm. so that's what i've been doing now for all these years is uh helping build families one step at a time mm. blended families by step-parent adoption uh, LGBT families with second parent adoptions, mm -hmm. single parent adoptions, adult adoptions. There are people who, adult, who adopt other adults. And then independent and agency adoptions, helping people find newborns to adopt, screening the adopting family and the birth parents, trying to make sure the match is good, yep. uh, facilitating that adoption, dealing with the hospitals, the social workers, the state agencies, that are involved in approving an adoption plan and an adoption placement, and then completing the adoptions and having the pleasure of going to court and finalizing those adoptions, wow. which is the big payoff. Wow. How many really. do you think you've done in it's your in 40 the thousands. years? Oh my God. It's in the thousands. We used to keep books of pictures with families with together. All the families. Yeah. And after about six or seven volumes, mercifully <laughs> the digital age descended upon <laughs> us. And so now we're able to digitize these things. Oh, and uh but it is it's the children who I deal with always are the same age. They're always newborn. Mm -hmm. And to then get a picture at the holidays from any number of my clients who send a picture of their children, and my God, these children are 16 years old, 18 years old, 20, 25 years old. They're married themselves and they have children. It's, it's really, you feel at the end of the day as a lawyer that uh, 
you actually made a difference. Oh, you make me cry. You usually, know. it's the usually it's the guest that cries on Katie's crib. <laughs> I mean, I cry too, but this one, this is this is a good morning. The um, only other thing I would say about that is that you know, at the end of the day, uh, I I approach every adoption as though it was my own. Because when my wife and I went through the adoption experience, we definitely discerned things we liked and things we didn't. And we approach our clientele with this notion that you come to us for advice and I want to give you the best advice and I want to guide you mm -hmm. along the way. If clients will take my advice and will follow my instructions, our success rate is about 95%. Whoa. But there are clients who just sort of pay the advice lip service and they want to do it their way and they may not have the same quality of results, sometimes they do. I don't need to take all the credit for it, but I have to tell you that when you slog through this stuff for several months with a potential birth mom or with a placement, yeah, and then it doesn't to go to court and have the judge say congratulations, it's a multi-Kleenex event almost every single time. And now we're going to cry again. Okay. Um, so uh, what are the different uh, means of adoption? Can you explain? I mean, we've been talking about this before, but public or private agency, independent, sure. open, closed, domestic, international. You said you deal mostly with newborn now, but in right. your firm, are there people who deal, like you were saying, with adult or? I'm a solo practitioner. Most adoption attorneys are solo practitioners because people come to hire us because they believe we have the mojo or the expertise to do right. it. But let's talk about the adoptions. It's fairly simple. I don't deal with international adoption. It's a separate skill set. Mm. And people who want to go and do an international adoption owe it to themselves to do the research and find attorneys who do international adoption specifically. specifically. It's quite different. It's sort of the difference between going to a cardiologist and a dentist. Mm. They both may be doctors, but the expertise... And skill sets different. are completely different. So in my field, we either have agency adoption, where the birth mother relinquishes the baby to the agency, and the agency then places the child for adoption with the adoptive family. Mm -hmm. Or we have independent adoption. In independent adoption, the birth mother actually places the child directly with the parents, and the paperwork <gasps> that is signed oh. is a little more direct. Why do people go to agency adoptions? It isn't that the baby goes literally to the agency and then the agency right. takes it out of a bassinet and hands it to the parents. It's that the agency will provide home study services and social services and support services uh, all at one location. Right. Whereas in independent adoption, we bring in the social worker and we bring in the therapist or the it's counselor. It's like more a la carte Correct. than the package deal. Do You've you? Got it find that you have huge amounts of both or do most people use an agency right now it's it's it is really uh, cost driven uh, uh, independent adoption tends to be cheaper than agency adoption uh, because the agencies charge for services which you may not need mm -hmm. there are some wonderful agencies out there and they offer classes in parenting and and they offer classes on how to talk to your teenager about being adopted. And most of my clients, when faced with that as a possible road to travel, say, would you mind terribly if we got the baby first before we started talking? <laughs> <laughs> talking about what we're supposed so, to tell them at age 13. Sure. I always say to the clients, make a financial determination. Mm -hmm. If the services are essentially the same, mm -hmm. look at what is most fiscally responsible for you because no one wants to be end up, end up being bankrupt. 
Right, and you're about <laughs> to have often. a baby, which That's is super right. expensive. So, like, you know, it would be wonderful if some of your dough went to the baby once you got him or her. Well, it has <laughs> to go to the diapers. It has to go to formula. Exactly. There, there are relatively few adoptive parents who actually breastfeed. There are some because there is this technique available where you can do that, but it's very what? rare. Yeah, oh, yes. Wow. Yeah. So there are there are means that a woman can contact her gynecologist and get onto some program to be able to lactate and then breastfeed a child. But most end up paying for formula and formula baby ain't cheap. It no, just isn't anymore. No, no. Um, can you hear my baby right now? It's his nap time, everybody. Albie, Adam is on, my husband Adam is on Albie duty this morning while I talk to you. Oh, okay. And um, Albie is obviously not wanting to go down for his nap. So can you walk us through... Like, walk us through what an adoption process looks like. I mean, I know that's very big and, and sort of a large topic. But it's a manageable question. People come to you first. Ideally, a person's going to come to an attorney because at the end of the day, adoption is a legal process. They'll meet with the attorney and decide on a game plan. Are we going to try to do an independent adoption or an agency adoption? Are, and what are we looking for in terms of uh, birth parents? Uh, racial issues, employment issues, age, health um, physical attributes, intellectual attributes. So we define what we're looking for. And most importantly, we have to define budget. What is it going to likely cost? What are the parameters that we have to work with in terms of money? Because not every adoptive parent is able to spend endless amounts of money adopting and some work on a budget. So you determine the budget. And then the next step is we make sure that the adoptive parents will be able to adopt. Mm. Uh, so if you have a past criminal record, no matter how minor it is, we need to know about it in advance mm -hmm. so we can make sure that we can deal with it appropriately mm -hmm. and you understand what's involved with that once you find a birth mom. Then we start the outreach to look for a birth mom and uh, advertising, dear birth mother letters, portfolios Where is that are put advertising? together. advertising? Like, what, what is that? Uh, well, advertising may be, you're not going to find it here in California because it's forbidden by law to run newspaper ads advertising. Oh to adopt a baby. But, that's but outside of the states? state, yes ah. it is. So it might be an ad in the adoption section, believe it or not, in oh. newspapers out of state, something along the lines of uh, Southern California couple yearns to adopt newborn, expenses paid as permitted, legal and confidential. We promise your child a future of uh, happiness, love and security. Call Tanya and Bill, toll-free anytime, or wow. our attorney Dave at such and such number. Wow. So, um, so after that, make contact with a birth mom. There's paperwork that's exchanged back and forth. Mm -hmm. Birth mom is advised by a, a social worker, an LCSW, and counseled as to her rights and evaluated to What's make sure. LCSW? Licensed clinical social worker. Oh, duh. Uh, and then... Mm -hmm. If everyone's in agreement and they meet and they like one another and they want to proceed, the hospital's notified, the doctor's notified. When the baby is born uh, and it's ready for discharge from the hospital, the adoptive parents are there to receive the baby. Then the legal paperwork is begun in the court. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, the Department of Children and Family Services in California or a private adoption agency will complete the post-birth and post-placement supervision of the case and have meetings and make sure everything is in order. They present a final report to the court saying we recommend that the adoption be approved and then you have that celebratory final hearing with the judge where the judge confirms and approves the report, 
grants the adoption, changes the child's right. name. So you're the done. parents already have the baby before that happens? Yes. Does sometimes that doesn't get finished or? Well, we're much better now in California than we were. Many states have a very short change of mind period. California's at 30 days. Some have it as, as little as 48 hours. Whoa. Uh, but uh, if you get to that stage, most, most of the time... So adoption laws really vary state to state. Oh, they do. We have Every state in the United States is quite independent, and each one believes they have the best adoption laws. And none of the other adoption laws are any good in any other state. And this is the key element. If, if, if anybody gets anything out of the time I'm spending with you, it is that you must do your homework and start with a team of people who know the law and know enough to ask questions when they don't know the law about another state. Because many of the adoptions that occur involve a birth parent in one state and, and adoptive here, parents right. here where you are in a different state. And if you don't know those laws and you start spending money on that birth mother and the state where the birth mother is says you may not do that, you could end up screwing up your own adoption oh, and no. getting into trouble with the authorities for it. In California, if you pay improper expenses to a birth mother, as adoptive parents, it's a felony. But it's only a misdemeanor for the birth mother to take the money. Whoa. So it's important to get good quality people. So how do you know, how do you not mess that up? It really just depends on the lawyer you get. It, like, it does. That they really have to be educated and skilled and know how, all those laws. Well, varying all you have to know is how to dial a telephone. That's all a lawyer really has to know in that regard. Because I go and when a person comes into me and they say, we, we, we are working with them and we find a birth mother in Rhode Island. I don't know the law in Rhode sure. Island, but I call a colleague of mine who I trust from the American Academy of Adoption Attorneys, and I say, you're in Rhode Island. I have a birth adoptive parent here in California. What do I need to know so that we don't run afoul of your laws? Mm -hmm. Then we have the discussion, and I'm able to go to the client and say, if we can work with her in Rhode Island, and here's the reason why. Uh, the, success record, the success rate on adoptions in the United States is about 90% of adoption matches are successfully concluded. But there are those 10% mm. that are not. And it's devastating for people. It is no reassurance to an adoptive family to say, well, 90% of the cases go fine. If you're in that 10% that yeah, don't. Yeah, that's all you hear. Yeah, that's all you're that's hearing. That's all I heard. I was so like, 90%, who cares? In my office, we, we average 93 to 95% success. But that's just because I am very, very... Uh, conservative about things and I insist on really good communication with clients clients need to share with the attorney whenever their conversations with the birth parents that they may have outside of the earshot of the attorney they need to share with the attorney what is said because that's where you discern inconsistencies and as soon as you discern an inconsistency in the story that or the things the birth mother's telling you oh I've never been pregnant but on her form she says she's been pregnant twice and she's had two abortions you, if they're lying about the small stuff, the odds are good they're going to be lying about the big stuff. Mm. And you want to have really good communication with your attorney. That's a wonderful tip. Do you find that there's difference? Have you worked with single parents or versus yes. married couples, same-sex couples? Like, What is the... Are there differences? Are there... Well, I, I'll, I'll say this. There are some birth parents who only want a big uh, Osmond or King Sisters family. I mean, they want hundreds and hundreds of family members for their child to go into this big, broad, embracing 
sort of Italian 30 people at the table families. There are others who just want their child to be the prince or princess in the home. Mm -hmm. They want the child to be the first, the last, and the only child in the home. Sure. Uh, there are some who say it doesn't matter. And there are some who bring their prejudices mm -hmm. to the picture. I've had single women clients who the, the birth mothers say, oh, she must be a lesbian because she's single. And I have to remind the birth mothers of that old uh, Gloria Steinem quote that a woman needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle. Uh, you know, and, 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 and say to them, don't assume that because there are plenty of women who choose deliberately not to be married sure. and that they wish to raise single parents, uh, raise children as single parents. Sure. So the birth mothers come in with their own prejudices. Similarly, adoptive parents come in with their own prejudices. I've had adoptive parents match with birth moms based on cone heat. That's the, center, the that? heat at the center of a kiln when you're firing pottery. I had a birth mom who came in. The adoptive family she was interested in were uh, people who were ceramicists. And they spent the better part of the hour we spent together in my conference room talking about the variation of cone heat in Are kilns. Are you kidding I've me. had birth mothers select uh, adoptive parents because the birth mother comes into my office wearing a culotte uh -huh. uh, outfit and the picture of the adoptive parent has the identical outfit. Birkenstock sandals, astrological signs, what, no, like the they same sports. It's just, it, it's, it's. So it's completely like. Random. Random and like just, I don't know if you believe in fate or whatever that is. Yeah, it's beshared. Yeah, it's beshared, which we would completely <laughs> say. But yes, it's beshared. It's like yeah. that un, unknowing, like that un, you can't put a word to it. It just. It just that, happens. It just happens. Well, right. And so I'm always saying to clients, you must. Be honest with your attorney, but more importantly, you must also be honest with yourself. Because if you try to make yourself into the perfect, attractive, adoptive parent, Never gonna work. it's a charade that's impossible to maintain. Because it, it could come down make, to culottes. Well, yeah, it could or, or kiln heat. Or kiln heat. Um, how long does the adoption process take? From start to finish after the birth of the child, you're looking at six to eight months if everybody is doing what they're supposed to be doing in a timely manner. If you're taught, and that's that must be that's so paperwork long time. in people's. What about from start to finish? I'm talking like when they come into your office. It's usually nine months to two years. It's oh, usually okay. nine months to okay. two years. Okay. Uh, but but sometimes I had a case fairly early on in my career where the adoptive family came in and met with me on an initial consultation in the morning. And in the afternoon, I got a call from the hospital, and they said, do you have a family, and this is exactly what we're looking for, and it was this family. And I called them up on the phone, and, and the wife answered the phone, and I said, Liz, uh, are you interested in adopting a baby boy? Here are the statistics. Uh, the child was just born and is at such and such hospital here in the San Fernando Valley. And I heard a thud, and <laughs> You're the phone me cry fell again. to the floor. And... I, then I heard this man's voice. It was clearly her husband. And uh, he says, who is this? And I said, it's Dave Baum calling. Yeah. He said, what did you say to my wife? I said, I just told her, I just heard about an adoption situation. The hospital is waiting to know whether you would like to come get a baby boy. He said, I'll revive her and we'll be down there in 30 <laughs> minutes. So it can, it can happen oh, that quickly. God. You know, you oh, have to be prepared. God. I have a colleague who says, are you ready for your star moment? 
He says, you have to be willing to say to me, if you call me tonight, I will get to the hospital and be there for the baby. If you're not ready, if you still need to go through therapy about your infertility or things like that, then it's not time to start this process. Oh, wow. That's a great piece of advice. Yeah. So really, parents should come and be do all the work for working with you or an adoption attorney if they're like, I'm ready to, I would like to have a baby like as soon as possible. Well, true. Because what happens is when I sit across the desk from uh, clients who come in to meet with me, they just see my two eyes, mm -hmm. but I see their four eyes. Mm -hmm. And I can see, and I have seen at times, in consultations with clients, the wife is waxing poetic about the thrills of parenthood, and the husband is literally rolling his eyes and, and giving all the facial expressions that say, I'm not there yet. And at the end of those consultations, I will say to the clients, you know, I don't think I can be of help to you because I think the two of you probably need to do some talking with one another because mm. we all have to be on the same page. You know, as a parent, that parenting is a tag team event. Oh, yes. And, and so is adopting. It is also a tag team event. Sometimes when one parent is feeling, oh, is this ever going to happen? The other is there to say, of course it's going to happen. Sure. This is the next step we're going to do. And when they're not on the same page and one is rowing across the pond and the other is drilling holes in the back of the boat, it's not a good situation. What about and we for see a single it. adoption person? Who do they go to? Family? Like uh, a mom? Ideally, they... Well... The, the clients that I have from the LGBT community or the single parents who just want to be single parents usually have their own family. It may not be blood family. Yes, but they have their support system exactly. that's supporting them through this whole thing. And Do you find that they bring a friend to? Rarely. It, it's, it, we've come a long way and adoption is much more out there and open than it was. But none of us walk around and introduce our children as, oh, this is my adopted son or this mm. is my adopted daughter. Mm. These are just my children. Mm -hmm. And so I have is... such an old school way. I mean, we were talking to Dan Bugatinsky and I had such, I said, oh, given up for adoption. And he said, oh, we don't say given up. We say placed. And I was like, oh my gosh, like being a child in the eighties, like that, I, that's what we said. Oh, sure. Oh, you were given up for adoption or yeah. that child was, you know, that's like how you phrase it. And it's not. You're a chosen child. Yeah. That's another one that, well, why didn't the, my mother choose to keep me? It, right. It's, it's, it's the, the lingo is all different now. Wow. All different. Um, what would you say is advice for adoptive parents if they're going to hire an attorney? Like what is there, is there a list of questions or something? Or, or is it just a gut feeling that this is the person I want to go through? This can be very challenging and long process. With. Well, I, my advice would be there are two resources that I think are invaluable. The first is the American Academy of Adoption Attorneys, because that's nationwide. And, uh, they have the preeminent adoption attorneys in the United States, the entry requirements and the legal ethics requirements to maintain fellowship in, those or in that organization are very, very significant. So you start with a, a group of people who are already well-educated, well-informed, and well-connected to help you adopt. The second resource here in California is the Academy of California Adoption Lawyers. I served as president of that academy for 16 years. Whoa. It wasn't that I was such a great president. It was more that no one else wanted to do it. But we have in our academy, I think it's now about 42 of the preeminent adoption and family formation attorneys in the, in the state of California. We teach other attorneys how to do adoption law. We meet and we have continuing education programs. Oh, that's we, wonderful. Uh, we author articles. We lecture. 
And we have standards, again, for admission, 200 adoptions at a minimum, and you have to have, our ethical standards are higher than the state bar imposes upon lawyers practicing in California. Wow. And we have very rigorous continuing education requirements. So you start with that. Then you ask the questions that you want to ask, and, and don't be shy about it. If you only want to adopt a Hispanic child, say, I only want to adopt a Hispanic right. child. Is that right. a problem? If you want to be gender specific, ask the questions you feel like asking. But at the end of the day, you hit the nail on the head, Katie. It's you have to trust your gut. Yeah. If you sit down with the attorney and all the diplomas look magnificent and the brochures look lovely and you don't feel comfortable, you need to trust your gut with that because it's a, it is a partnership yeah, and vulnerable for a long period of time. And if you're going to always worry, oh my goodness, if I call the attorney, he's going to char he charges by the hour and many of us don't. We charge on a flat fee basis. He charges by the hour, it's going to cost me money every time I ask a question. Then you're going to feel, I don't, maybe I shouldn't ask the question. And you're depriving yourself of something that maybe you really need me. to have the answer to. Oh, that's really and, great. And it's also true with regard to the adopt, adoption situation. I had a client who we presented an absolutely magnificent birth mother to. Absolutely magnificent. And the client said to me, that's not my baby. And I hung up the phone and I thought to myself, you got to be kidding me. If you went uh, and you programmed the perfect birth mother, academics, physical health, emotional well-being, stability, intellectual curiosity, uh, the quality of her pregnancy, her due date, her lack of expenses, I couldn't imagine anyone what, what happened? would turn the child down. Well, we had no trouble matching that birth mother with another family. Okay. Now, ultimately, this client went on to adopt, and they invited my wife and me to a party at their home okay. uh, to celebrate the arrival of the child. And we walked through the door and the wife came out and said to me, it's so good you're here. You're like family to us. I mean, we wouldn't have a family were it not for you. And I turned to her and I said, looking back at the situation that you turned down, do you feel any differently now about that than you did then? And she said, no, that was not my child, this child that I have wow. here is the, was the child for me. Wow. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with just-arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The Seven from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The Seven every weekday. 
So follow the seven right now. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I still, when I think of adoption, I don't know if it's because of movies or something, but I, you still think of orphanages. Do, do they exist anymore? Re- really, they don't. They don't? No. no. I mean, maybe in outside of the U.S. In, uh, they, they exist in the world of Charles Dickens. <laughs> <laughs> they exist outside of the United States. And in the musical Hamilton. Yeah, yeah. But, but with, those, with those relatively few exceptions, the they orphanage. don't. Well, That's if you think about musical. it, Vista Del Mar, yes. uh, which one of your guests yes. used, uh, was originally called the Jewish Orphans Home. Wow. And when it was first formed back, I think it was in the 1940s, it took in Jewish orphans. But we don't have that anymore. Even the adoption agencies, really, are not orphanages like the child is there and you can come get a child. It doesn't work that way. Wow. Well, that's, that's good. What are the typical costs? This is where I really want to get into. Like, I'm sure they vary. Okay, I can give you some ranges. There's the a la carte version versus the agency version. But what is, in your 40 years experience, and obviously money has also changed in the last 40 years of what things cost, at this day and age, what is the least amount and what is the most amount? I think that what you have to figure realistically is the lowest amount is going to be in the vicinity of about $10,000 because Mm -hmm. if you're here in California and you have to do a home study under California law, the the state mandates a fee of $4,500. So right there, almost half of it. And that's for someone to come in and and study your house to make sure that you are... Right, that you they, they have all these things that they look at to make sure that your home is going to be a safe place right. for a baby. But it's, it's really, it's also, and perhaps more importantly, to study you. Mm. Because I've had clients who have adopted who have shared a studio apartment, and that's what they've had to raise a child in. Uh, you don't have to have a certain level of income to be able to adopt. You just have to have a safe living environment. And for young couples, a studio apartment is just fine. Of course. Okay. Uh, but to answer your question, 
in my office right now, we are quoting people a range of $18,500 to $25,500 complete for adoption for everything except outreach. Because we don't know how much money we're going to be spending running newspaper ads or being on the internet to find adoptable children. When you go over the hill and you go into more expensive areas like Beverly Hills, for example, or you go to the East Coast to places like Philadelphia, the cost of adoption goes way up because the attorneys pay higher amounts for rent Rent. and because the market will bear it. So it is not uncommon for people to have adoptions which run $10,000 to $50,000 In California, we have laws that govern what can and cannot be paid for birth mothers. Uh, They have to be medical or living-related expenses of a birth mother during the period of her confinement or her pregnancy. Pregnancy. Mm -hmm. And so that brings some control over it. But there are other states where you can pay for virtually everything. So when we are talking with potential birth parents on behalf of adoptive parents, one of the things that we're doing is we're asking them to tell us what their financial needs are so we can make sure that you don't go into Chapter 11 proceedings trying to adopt a child. Mm -hmm. Uh, But... Again, I'm providing you with some resources for places where adoptive families can get some financing to assist them with adoption. Yeah, that that exists. They can have it. It does. Mm -hmm. And uh, remarkably so in this present environment uh, politically, the one thing that the White House and Congress has not disturbed, thank God for it, is the adoption tax credit, uh, which is a national adoption tax credit and it is over $14,000 of uh, uh, acceptable adoption expenses, which come off of your tax liability dollar for oh, dollar. Thank God. And that is a major relief thank because if God. you get a birth mother who's due in two or three months, she's living at home, she doesn't have a lot of expenses, she has health insurance through her parents, your adoption's going to run more in the 10000 to $18,000 range, okay. including that home study and any co pays for the hospital and things like that. And with that tax credit, you could actually do an adoption that may not cost you more than four or $5,000 out of your pocket, ultimately. Wow. And the last thing to say about that is that if you suffer the misfortune of having an adoption go south and fail on you, that adoption tax credit is available to you as well. Oh, thank God. Like, because, knock on wood. That... Well, the money, you know, the money comes back, but really the, the, the place that's irreparably harmed is the trust level. You know, you, you put your trust in the birth parent and you hope they'll okay. follow through. And then when they say, I've changed my mind, mm-hmm. um, you don't know that you'll ever be able to trust a woman who says, I'll place my child for adoption with you again. Yeah. And you have to sort of pick yourself up. And if at least you can regroup in the money department, you have a fighting chance. Mm-hmm. To try again. Yeah. Um, you just mentioned, I mean, that's the biggest hurdle, um, I think, is it not working out in the end. Are there other hurdles that you like, you know, may warn? Well, I I think that, I think it's about, I think it it sounds a lot like your support system, your relationship. Like you said, when one person is drilling holes and one person's, you know, but that when the going gets tough or something and people get discouraged, it's like you have people around you to pick you up. It's if true. something's taking too long or the birth mother doesn't work out and you have to start all over again, which I'm sure happens in the middle of the process, Ken. Sometimes right? it happens at the very end. I, mm. I, I uh, early on in my career, had a birth mom 
who uh, was morbidly obese mm -hmm. and an adoptive family uh, of a dentist and his spouse. And they were a lovely couple. And the birth mom was a really good person. Mm -hmm. She was just morbidly obese. Mm -hmm. In an effort to make sure she got the best possible medical care, we hooked her up with a doctor who was a professor of obstetrics at a major teaching university hospital so that she could get the extra level of care for someone with her weight. Mm -hmm. Nonetheless, uh, she did not pay any attention to the fact when she stopped feeling the baby move about three or four weeks before the due date. Oh, and she didn't report anything so to the doctor. Sad. So when the doctor, when the baby was born, the baby had insufficient brain development. Oh. And the adoptive family had to make the choice that they were not going to proceed with the adoption because of that. The, the young woman Oof, took the baby I mean, and, and so has raised rough. the baby herself. But that's, that can happen. And you can get oh, birth mothers who God. go to hospitals because they don't have the guidance of an attorney to say, this is not the hospital for you. Where the hospital nurses have an agenda and they actually will say to the birth mother, how can you do this? How can you place, yeah, I, I, give away your baby? It's, you shouldn't be doing that. You have a hard time. Lots of people have a hard time. Suck it up. Get over it. And they will talk the birth mother out of the placement. Oh, my God. How do you, how did, I mean, that is. And, and you know what happens? The adoptive family is upset. They don't go back and notify the director at the hospital that this is going on. It is an unreported assault on the birth mother. Right, right. When our daughter's birth mother gave birth, we were not told about it until after the baby was born, but our attorney, since I didn't handle my own adoption, uh, mm -hmm. called us and said, a nurse came into the room and said to your birth mother, you shouldn't be doing this. And the birth mother said, I will give you five seconds to get out of this room before I clock you. I love that. <laughs> You know, talk about an empowered wow, woman. Wow. So now when I look at my 29-year-old daughter and I see I see some of her biological mother oh. in these moments where she isn't going to be pushed around. There's love no it. doubt about I it. I love it. Oh, my gosh. Um, have you worked with uh, birth parents who've placed their child for adoption? Yes. I never work with both. So I think it's malpractice to say, yes. oh, we're all striving toward the same goal. Oof, Let's yeah, have yeah, you yeah, all, yeah. everyone Conflict represent together. Yeah, that's uh, I have worked with birth parents and they have run the gamut. I have had birth parents who have two degrees uh, from universities and speak four languages who just found they were pregnant at an inappropriate time. I had a uh, high school health teacher who mistook uh, the signs of pregnancy for being perimenopausal. Uh, and, and discovered when she went to her doctor that oh, she said, I have this mass and it's developing in my abdomen and I think I need surgery. And he said, oh, there'll be no need. In about six months, that mass will come out as a baby. And she oh said, that's God. impossible. Um, what are some of the questions that uh, anyone who's interested in adoption need to ask themselves before they go down this road? I know I think, we said like you can tell in their eyes, like yeah. sometimes well, if you guys aren't there yet or... I think you have to ask yourselves, if you're single, am I ready to make the time commitment? And do I have a game plan thought out? Mm -hmm. I'm going to bring the baby home. I still have a job. Have I interviewed pediatricians? Have I talked to people who are single about how they manage it? Am I ready to make the sacrifices that come with being a parent? Mm -hmm. Because the ability when you are not a parent to say, let's go away for the weekend. Let's just you know, have the neighbor look in on the dog and we'll go to Las Vegas or yeah, we'll right. fly away. You can't do it. 
And you have to recognize that you can't be the center of attention anymore because the child will need your attention. I think in, in marital relations, if your marriage is not strong and your relationship with one another is not rock solid, bringing a baby in is not going to help it. And sometimes people feel, oh, baby makes three and that will be wonderful. So they really need to look at that. And then you need to look at, will I be able to get past the feeling that I'm adopting a child and I'm not having my own? Will I be able to deal with that? Mm -hmm. Some parents can't. For those who feel that if it's not genetically mine, I will not be able to ever love it the same way, mm -hmm. they need to come and talk with me about assisted reproduction and family formation through surrogacy. Mm -hmm. That's what's necessary. You want to have those discussions ideally before and think those things through before the baby's born. And you try your best to do it. I know I tried my best to do it with my wife when we were looking at the process of adopting. But I'll share this little story with you. Our daughter was born out of state and we went up in the morning to pick her up at the hospital and we flew home that night and brought her home to our little condominium in Encino. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, the parent, grandparents came over and uh, spent time ooing and aahing and how beautiful uh -huh. she was. And the godfather came over and the godmother came yeah. over. And then at about 9 o'clock at night, my wife and I were really <laughs> exhausted. Uh, yeah. And they graciously took the hint and left. My wife takes Jessie into the room, uh, her into the uh, nursery area to change her uh -huh. diaper. And I went to the kitchen to grab a glass of water. And it hit me as I was walking back toward Jesse's room that I was not so certain that I was up to this task. And I walked to my wife and I said to her, uh, I don't know if I can do this. Yeah. And she said to me, you know what? It's a little too late now. <laughs> Suck it up. <laughs> you know, and with that, she got back to the business of diapering, and I got into the business of parenting with her. And I realized you're always going to have that nervousness. Every person who brings a newborn in their home has it. It of isn't course. unique to adopted parents. I definitely <laughs> had, it, without a doubt. And I didn't, you know, I, you know, I have a, I birthed my son, but I definitely brought him home and thought, who is this stranger in my house, and what did I do to my life? And, you know. I don't know if I'm up for the task either and suck it up, you know, yeah. like this was you got yourself in and you wanted, you know, to be a mom, of course now, you know, but uh, I feel great about the choice, but well, you I mean, you the... can't when these huge life things are, do people ever start the process and then say to you, you know what, I really, I'm scared that I'm not going to connect to the child because the child is adopted and, and I'm going to look do. at the baby's face and they're not going to look like me or my partner or whatever It that happens is. and some absolutely back out of the process. Mm. Mercifully, it usually happens before a match is made. I, I do not think I've ever had a situation. No, I'm fairly certain I've never had a situation where after a match, a couple says, we've changed our mind. We don't want to proceed. Mm -hmm. But pre-match, oh yes. Because part of the problem is when you're adopting, you never... As an adoptive parent now, I'm not going to speak as an attorney. I'm going to speak as an adoptive parent, which I am. 
You never allow yourself any of the pleasures of the experience of a pregnancy. If you can equate pleasure with pregnancy, right. <laughs> uh, you never allow yourself any of those pleasures going through the process because in the back of your mind is that, what if she changes her yeah, mind? You're, you're, what if the court says no? We talked about this with no? Dan. It's like you're, you can only be super cautiously optimistic. That's right. You, know? you don't dare indulge the, the real big dreaming. And so suddenly it all comes upon you. It, people in, in the supermarkets will turn, turn to us when our daughter was little and we used to go to the grocery store and bring her with us and they'd say, oh, that baby is so cute, uh, is, is, but she has no hair and, or she looks this way. Yeah. Are, how, is she your child? And we sure. say, yes. And for a while we used to say, we adopted her. And they'd say, oh, well, at least you didn't have to go through labor. <laughs> you know? Oh, my. People and, say the yeah. most ridiculous shit. That well, is absurd. Is, and you want to just say that, you know what? You're an idiot. We, took, we didn't have physical labor. I acknowledge that. We didn't that. Instead, we had no real moments of pleasure. No, you had mental and, em- you, and you had mental and emotional pregnancy. You know what I mean? Like you have that window of however long it takes some people, two years of pondering and dreaming a little bit, but then keeping it at bay. Right. And And then you have the baby and, and and you have the baby in sight. Now the due date is approaching. And at the time we adopted a birth mom had six months to change her mind for any reason. It didn't even have to be a good reason. So we went out of state where we could finalize in 10 days in Oregon. We were able to do it in 10 days. And so we didn't have all that stress, but there were good moments in the grocery store too. You'd oh. be in the grocery store and someone would come in and look at Jesse and say, oh, she's so cute. How old is she? And my wife would say, oh, she's six weeks old. And they'd say, you girl, look you look fabulous. Yeah, you look like unbelievable. <laughs> or yeah. we'd get the other one, which was always good was she has the most beautiful blue eyes. And where does she get those eyes? And my wife would say from her mother. And they'd look at my wife, who does not have blue eyes, and they'd look at the baby again. They didn't know what to say. Oh, that's freaking hilarious. I love that. Um, (laughs) Can you recommend any helpful resources for those considering adoption? I would just also add that there are sites which I'll give you information for about where you can go as a resource for good lawyers and good agencies to work with. Mm -hmm. There are also sites that talk about funding and financial assistance for people who are looking to adopt. But at the end of the day, it's about doing your homework and making sure that you're working with the right people. As I approach the 40th year in my practice, I'm shifting the way that I practice in the field of adoption law. And now what I'm doing more is I'm sitting down with clients who are thinking about adoption and talking with them about the concept of adoption and the avenues available for adoption and helping match them up with those resources, with the attorneys or the agencies that would best suit their personalities, their budget, and their expectations. Mm -hmm. So it's a more of a concierge service that I'm offering now Mm -hmm. rather than finding babies for people because not every attorney is right for every adoptive parent. Right. And so that, that initial match is, I think, the most important thing. So you recommend people maybe meeting with a few lawyers or... Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Or working with someone like myself or others who do this work who will sit and talk to the clients and find out what they're looking for and what their expectations are and say, you know, with your personalities and what your desires are, these are the people I would recommend you interview. These would be the short list of one or two. I, I used to, early on in my practice, clients would come in and meet with me 
and we would give them the fee agreements and we had a fairly good amount who signed up with me on the spot. I stopped doing that about maybe 20 years ago. And part of it was because my fee agreement was 13 pages long because it has to cover so much material. But also it was because I really felt that after a consultation, no matter how enthusiastic you are, you need to go home and talk with your spouse or your support group, Mm -hmm. or if you're a single person, your family or your friends, and make sure you feel right. And you're not doing it because you're enthusiastic, but you're making a business decision. One hates to... That's why you're a good lawyer. That's why you're amazing. Well... Because, like, you have to give people... You know, you're not looking to, let's do this right here and now. Like, it doesn't work that way. It, it, this is such an emotional legal thing. Well, it's just but, so... But, Kate, that is exactly the... You've hit the nail on the head. No one wants to talk about adoption as a business transaction. They want to talk about it as an affair of the heart. But it is a business deal. First and foremost you are going to be asked to put out some money and you best make sure that you've hired the best people who will give you the best bang for your buck Mm -hmm. and do the job that you need done. If not, it's a terrible choice. And if it's, if, if they're enthusiastic about their meeting with me and they read the fee agreement and they talk and they're still enthusiastic, that's a good match. Being enthusiastic because I just need to do something. I need to sign something right now. I just need to get that ball rolling. And then going home and saying, gee, I wonder if I should have uh, considered something else. I wonder if I should have met with just another attorney so I had some some comparison. And then, of course, you get people who come by referral. I've been very blessed to have people who I've done adoptions for who refer their friends and their family and their colleagues and not every person who they refer hires me. Not every person is someone I can help. But those referrals are really what builds the business. You are wonderful. I cannot thank you enough for lending us your time and your experience. This My was pleasure. so eye-opening. And thank you for all of your time. Thank you for being on Katie's Crib. Thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode. I want to hear from you. Let's chat. Questions, comments, concerns? Let me know. You can always find me at katiescrib at shondaland.com. Katie's Crib is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from Shondaland Audio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, Somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. 
Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.